you've been able to give back, especially since building your brand? It's been nice being able and right now it's more so just like how impactful and how important has your family been throughout this journey right like through your college journey to nil even now that you have graduated they are the most supportive people in the world getting these nil deals and i know you say you had a agency which i'll ask about in a little bit but when you're getting these nil deals like how are you able to kind of leverage that and get more than what they're initially trying to give you that's really all honestly on my agency they're the ones who reach out they what was your first nil deal and then what was your first big nil deal how were you able to get that speaking opportunity and how was that for you so much fun i'm actually petrified of public speaking and i don't know what happened but like i was so comfortable what's going on everyone welcome to another episode of athletes wisdom podcast i'm your host and creator alexander turner Today, I have an amazing, amazing guest here. I have Tori Ortiz, but this woman right here is very well, uh, from the research that I've done on her and just the limited conversation I've had, she's very uh, knowledgeable. She seems like she is very in-depth in the NIL field and has a good amount of experience. So for all the college out athletes that are out there listening and uh, looking at this video, make sure you take copious notes because I always say information is power and information without implementation is useless. So make sure you're implementing the things that you're also taking notes on. All right. Tori, thank you so much for joining. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. So like I said, I just I like diving straight in. So for those who are not familiar about you, right, who don't know who you are, kind of give a quick background of who you are and kind of how you started your journey. Um, well, obviously, I'm Tori. I am from Batavia, Illinois. Grew up. I'm an only child as well. So it's just been me pretty much my whole life. I started off my track and field journey at Illinois State for two years. I started off as a walk-on, and then I transferred to Oklahoma State when I was going into my junior year, so that was COVID year as well. Finished up my three years here, uh, got my degree in applied exercise science strength conditioning with nursing prerequisites because I did always kind of have in the back of my mind being a dream of being an emergency room nurse, and then just something else that came up was I just became very passionate in social media when I figured that, you know, I might have an opportunity to actually be able to make money and make a difference in people's lives. And I'm glad you brought up social media, right? Because just on the platforms that I was able to see TikTok and Instagram, you have a combined following of about 770,000 people. So kind of explain your journey, right? Because people, a lot of people obviously want to strive and get to that point, right? And for some people, it's easier than others. So kind of explain how you were able to like, you know, where did you start? How did you kind of get that catapult to that type of audience in that reach? Yeah, I actually had always talked about one of uh, my friends from high school, her and I were recently talking about, and she was like, I'm really proud of you. You know, you did it. She was like, you always said you wanted to be famous or, you know, well-known. And she was like, look at you now. So I guess you could say that's always been something that has been just a big dream or a big goal of mine, but I never really knew how to get there. You know, I, when TikTok first came out, I didn't have TikTok for, I don't know how long, like I was so against it. I was just like, I'm not getting that app. What is it? Never watched any videos. So that's not something I was really passionate about. And then Instagram too, like 
it was just fun to keep up with all of my friends and all my family and just like everyone kind of around you as well just maybe people that you don't really know but you know of mm-hmm. and so that's mm-hmm. really just how I started off like I was just kind of growing no matter where I was then I got to Oklahoma State and I think I came with maybe like 6,000 followers when I first got here and I'm at 160,000 now and TikTok didn't remember exactly the number of followers I had but I remember I started building my TikTok during COVID one of my best friends um, for my whole life her name's Allie she kind of went viral from one of her videos on TikTok and I would go over because we were neighbors when we both moved into our own apartments and I was watching her do her TikTok lives and just seeing like the revenue she was bringing in and that's really kind of was like oh like you know that's what made me want to start doing tiktok more and on top of that i also found out that the athletes are going to be able to start getting paid now i'm just like okay i want to do this you know like i want to be able to get paid just because like i never had a ton of money growing up so i always wanted to be able to give back to like my mom and be able to like live a life that i've wanted to live and just help out everyone who's helped me out in the process and who's helped me get to where i am so really just my goal was just to try and build me one for the sake of myself and be able like I said to live the life I wanted to but then also just to be able to make a difference and give back to those who gave to me so how have you been able to give back especially since building your brand it's been nice being able and right now it's more so just like little stuff but like being able to help my mom out more and being able to like give her nicer things and same with my family too like I remember when it came to like Christmases, like they've always made me feel so special on Christmas and all that stuff. And so I've never really had any money to be able to do the same or give them back or give them nice gifts. And, you know, being able to just start kind of there and being able to give them a gift that made someone cry. And that really made a difference. Just like from whether the quality or whatever of it and the meaning behind it was for me just because to know that I was able to provide that with all the work that I've done and then also I really 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 my main goal is I want to put my mom in a like apartment I want to pay for her rent and everything for a year just because she Mm -hmm. has a traumatic brain injury so she lives off of long-term disability which I sometimes make more in one deal than she does in a whole year just because they don't really give that much and so Mm -hmm. Just to be able to allow her to save all that money and just so she's not struggling week to week and to be able to put her in a place so she doesn't have to worry about buying a place. She can live where she lives. You know, she can do what she wants and she can just feel like she has a weight lifted off her shoulders is something that I'm still continuing to work towards. But in order for that to happen, I have to make sure, like, obviously I'm good first. Just feel like I'm good where I'm at because make sure... I have all my rent paid, all my bills paid, everything. And then when I know I'm good and I still have money, that's like really my main goal. I like that. I like that. Family oriented. So how impactful and how important has your family been throughout this journey, right? Like through your college journey, through NIL, even now that you have graduated? They are the most supportive people in the world. And I don't think I would have been able to do any of this without them. Like it's so much fun to be able to pick up a phone and be able to call them and tell them about this deal that I got or to tell them like, you know, how I didn't attract me. And I know once I got to Oklahoma state, they had to start supporting from a distance just because when we went to meets, we were in Texas and that's far for my family because obviously, Mm -hmm. 
So they just were only able really to watch me run when I was on TV and stuff like that. But when I was at Illinois State, they came to every meet they could. Every meet mm-hmm. that was local. I mean, my dad, um, he was able to travel to a lot of the meets as well. So, I mean, he was coming to Texas Relays and I meet in Florida. And, you know, he was doing like the bigger meets that no one really could come to just so I had somebody there. Just because when my family's there, it pushes me to want to do better, to want to run better. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's my biggest motivator, just behind everything, too. And then I have cousins and just hearing about them, having their little, they'll have, like, watch parties and, like, the ones um, who live in Georgia, like, they'll have little watch parties at their house. And all the neighborhood kids will come over and they'll watch me run on TV. And I'm like, that's just so cool just to, you know, know that I'm making my family and, like, their friends or whoever that excited and that proud. I like that. So... You you said earlier that having them there makes you, you know, pushes you harder and pushes you more. How is your natural competitive spirit, though? Like when you're on the track, I almost said field. When you're on the track, how is your natural competitiveness, right? Because I know some people can be more competitive than others and things like that. I don't like to get beat. That's really just how I am. Like, I don't think anybody does. If you like to get beat, why, you know, why are you doing the sport? But... I also understand where my level is compared to some other people. So it's like I compete to the best of my ability. Like if I know I've never run a 49 second 400 and I'm up against a girl who runs a 49 second 400, all I got to do is just my best. Cause you know, there's all that. But like in practice, you know, you got to compete literally like you're competing. And that's just how I am. Like you want to win every rep. You want to, you know, win every skill. You want to be able to be the best at everything you do and be the fastest and be the first to the line or the first to finish. And then it's not even just that. I think for me, it's always been about being in the best shape. Like I would love to be able to be the one that's always going to finish the workout the best, but also not be laid out on the ground. Like I would like to finish the workout the best and kind of walk off and be like, that was easy. You know, like that's just my competitive spirit. And then when I'm competing, kind of get my head. I have the worst pre-race anxiety. So bad. Like, it's so bad. But when I am kind of just talking to myself in my head, I'm like, Tori, what are you doing? Go. That's just, Mm -hmm. I turned it on. You know? How has your on-field or on-track, I keep saying field, so forgive me. okay. But I feel like it's just wanting to be top dog, too, in the NIL world has something like I've taken the competitiveness that I have in track and field, and I've applied it to NIL. And I feel like one thing for me, I became known as that girl who runs track at Oklahoma State. Um, That's something that kind of everyone, if people see me, you're like, oh, you know, you're that girl that runs track at Oklahoma State or something along those lines. So I feel like I've built an image off of myself for that. But at the same time, as also building an image for Tori. But I wanted to be top dog, especially when it came to NIL, because men, I mean, if you compare the deals, the percentages are ridiculous. And Most so, of the deals go to uh, uh, men's football and basketball. You know, when I just recently, it was a pie chart, and I've seen like the breakdown of percentages that go to uh, sports. Chocolate wasn't even on it. Damn. I was like, dang. Yeah. I literally was like, okay. Like, I, women's gymnastics was on it. I think volleyball was on it. Football, basketball. I don't remember the other ones, but, like, the women's were kind of just like this, and the men's were big. I think women's basketball mm-hmm. was on it. That was the bigger one, but that's understood mm-hmm. just how big women's basketball blew up. But 
you know, when I was doing NIL, just because like obviously like my eligibility is up and stuff now, so it's a little bit different trying to transfer into the just being an influencer. But I wanted to be top dog. Like I wanted to be a woman because a woman being in power, I think, is empowering. Not even just mm-hmm. to you know myself or my friends, but to younger generations as well. Because when people look at collegiate athletes, you think of basketball or you think of football. You know, I mm-hmm. feel like you don't really think of track. And I wanted to be able to make a difference for the track and field world and for women, and then even for Latino women as well just because I am Puerto Rican. So I wanted to just put on for everything. And I'm pretty sure I was the highest paid athlete out of every football player, out of every basketball player at Oklahoma State for NIL. And that was big for me. Now, did your social media following play a good, a large part in you getting so many deals? Uh, yes. Or, and so, so explain that, right? Like, obviously, the brand, the brand that you have and as many uh, followers that you have on both platforms, right? That obviously gives you a bit more negotiating power than somebody who says, you know, has 10,000 followers or maybe even two or 3,000 followers, right? So when you're getting these NIL deals, and I know you say you had an agency, which I'll ask about in a little bit, but when you're getting these NIL deals, like how are you able to kind of leverage that and get more than what they're initially trying to give you? Um, that's really all honestly on my agency. There are the ones who reach out, they, you know, like companies will pretty much say, Hey, we're doing a deal with certain athletes, you know, they'll bid your name, be like, these are the athletes and they can pick and choose from which athletes that they want. And then from there, they'll set a price and either they can argue it higher or they can be like, Hey, I really like this price and keep it at what it is. So there's all that. But the more numbers you have, the bigger the chance you have at you know, getting bigger deals just Mm -hmm. because it's like, you're more willing to work with bigger companies when you have these bigger numbers, just because companies look for people who can influence other people to get their Mm -hmm. stuff and put their stuff out there. And you're going to do that way more if you have more following. Gotcha. So what was your first NIL deal? And then what was your first big NIL deal? So my first deal ever was actually with iSlide. I made a pair of slides that have my initials and a picture of me running on it. So that was pretty cool. Um, it, I think I only had around like maybe 10,000-ish followers at the time when I did that. So it was still pretty low. But I was in the growing stages, growing in the building stages. My biggest first one was Gatorade. That was the first deal I ever did with my agency. And that was just amazing and big for me. So... so- do you mainly get uh, monetary uh, compensation or do they send you a lot of products, not just Gatorade, but with any of your NIO deals? It depends on the company. You typically get both. Like I know for Rain, we get, you know, monetization and then you have to produce your deliverables, but you also get a bunch of drinks for it. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, with Shop GLD, it's like, you know, you have to produce your deliverables, but you get jewelry out of it. So I think mm-hmm. it, it really all depends on the company. And most companies give you products. And most companies have some sort of product that they want to give. So that's really just what it is. You're always making a video. But if it's one where it's like a website or if you're trying to do like this new app that's being launched, like they can't really give products for that just because it's digital and all that stuff. Gotcha. So in regards to... 
So when you're having an NIL deal, right, are they normally a one time or a couple post thing? Or do you have any deals that are like they're still ongoing and it's like something that will continue to be ongoing as long as obviously uh, you continue to produce and deliver for them? Yeah, each deal is different. Um, sometimes you can do like a one time deal, but those take forever as well. It's like you can just do, for example, like I did one video for Meta. And uh -huh. I got that deal in May and it didn't really get posted till like July ish, like April, May ish is kind of like right around when I got the deal and I knew I was doing the deal, uh -huh. but it didn't get posted. Like I said, until July. So like it takes that whole time to just do one thing. But then I also have rain, which is a six month contract. So, you uh -huh. know, it's like we have to do, they send out a brief. We do, the video like or TikTok or pictures or whatever you need to do for the company each month and it's different. And then mm -hmm. you make it, you they send it in, they have to approve it. If you're good, you post it and then you have to do certain amount of stories as well. So each one's different. Gotcha. So what is your preferred NIO deal? I like the month to month ones just because it gives you something like you know you're gonna get like stuff every month and that keeps you busy as well and you know like okay like kind of inspires you. Okay. I didn't really like this month's video and I really like working with this company. So let me produce really good quality. So if they ever have mm -hmm. a you know, little opening again, that they'll want to pick me and they'll want to resign me. So it kind of just motivates you just keep building and getting better and better. Um, but then also too, it's kind of cool to just do a one-time video, especially if it's for like a big company like meta, you know, like they're such a big company. So being mm -hmm. able to work with them and like, you know, like with their VR and just being able to do all that work for them, I think is such a cool opportunity as well. So I would definitely, I have to say, like I said, the month to month, but it's just as neat and I appreciate it just as much when it's just a little time. I like that. And you, you mentioned VR, right? Especially you mentioned Meta a couple of times. So you were featured in Forbes and in People. And within that, I know some of what you were talking about was VR Metaverse. So I just kind of want to get your take on how do you think VR, Metaverse, possibly NFTs can play a part in the, <clears throat> the college athletics and especially in regards to NIO? Well, I'm not really too familiar with NFTs, so I feel like I can't go too deep on that. That hasn't been something that I've worked with. Mm -hmm. um, I had an opportunity to work with it, but when that opportunity became present, I literally had like two weeks left of eligibility. So I'm like, it, you know, mm -hmm. it won't really make sense to start doing this now just because I don't know how long the process takes. But I think VR will play a big role. One, because Meta's always building in their VR world, like just the metaverse and all that. It's just going to continue to grow, and so is technology. So I think many more opportunities alongside all that is just going to continue to open up with NIL in that space. But I think you can really begin to apply like VR to really just anything, and mm -hmm. especially when it comes to sports, like, you can do workouts in it. Like, you know, like you could be literally riding a bike and you could, or just like a stationary bike and you can have the VR on and it gives you like a scenery or you can do literally like workouts in there. Kind of like, I always look back at it like a Wii Fit board. Mm -hmm. Like way, way back where you're standing out and you can do a little workouts. You stand on the First board. of all, the Wii Fit board was Man, amazing and I loved it. I loved, I loved it, it too. But when you're standing on it, you are ducking and weaving and you're trying to do all that and it calculates your BMI, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I thinking Meta's going towards that way. And I think it would be really cool too, just because you literally immerse yourself in a virtual reality world. So mm -hmm. 
I think it'd be neat if they start to create apps for athletes, like, towards their sports. Like, obviously, like, you can play football. You can, you know, do, like, basketball games. Like, the pre-game, that's one that I did my video on, which was fun. And a total workout. I was exhausted. I felt like I was so <laughs> let me say. Um, but it was so fun. But just, like, where maybe you can watch skills. And you can see, like, people mm-hmm. doing skills kind of in real time. But you feel like you're there. And something to where you start to do the skills with your own body and it can pretty much guide you like, Hey, like, yeah, this is right. Or no, this is wrong. You know, just with it, I think it's going towards that way. And if it goes that way, it will be so helpful for people in sports, especially like if someone maybe doesn't have all this money to go buy for these lessons or do this, like you can find ways to do it at home and be comfortable mm-hmm. in your own house as well. So I like that. I like that. So Kind of talk to me about your I want to I want to go back a little bit. Talk to me about your transition, especially like during COVID from Illinois State to Oklahoma. Right. Like for one, what made you transfer? Uh, and then how was that transfer process for you, especially with NIL kicking in right essentially right after you got to Oklahoma? My coach left. So I've had a journey with college coaches. I literally got recruited by one. He left before I even got there. And I had another one. And then he left. And then when he left, he was like, you know, helping me get recruited, figuring out where to go. He was coming to Oklahoma because that's where he had came from previously. He used to be an assistant coach uh, here at Oklahoma State. And then he went to Illinois State and then he came back to coach um, back in Oklahoma. And he also coached at high schools and he teaches as well. So I think after a lot of discussion, you know, having him, he was like, go here, this man coaches the 400. And that's something that I had just started running. And I was kind of in like my hot spot with it because I had just started. I was just, I had, you know, was just growing, trying to figure the race out. And he was just like, he'll get you to your goals. Mm-hmm. And so after a bunch of conversation and all this stuff, I was like, you know what, like, okay, you know. So I ended up committing here. But man, that transfer process was rough because. I didn't see the school. My school tour was a YouTube video. I didn't know anybody in the city. Didn't yeah, like I never got to come and do an official visit. Like my visit was a campus YouTube video. I so did that. I never met the team. Didn't really know any of the girls. You know, all my academic and advising meetings were all on the phone. Wasn't even on Zoom. Was mm-hmm. just over the phone. So it was hard because like I had mentioned earlier, I'm an only child. So when me and my cat Prince at the time, it was just him and I packed up my whole life and I moved 11 hours away from my family to a state I'd never been to. Mm -hmm. school. I had no idea what it really even looked like, you know, in person. It's always different in person than it is on camera. Mm -hmm. To a team full of people that I didn't even know, coach that I had never even seen or met in person. It was like a leap of faith, I would say, you know, but it was the best decision I made just because I think also Oklahoma State being in the Big 12 wanted to push me to be better because I knew Big 12 is a different level of competition and just a different beast than Missouri Valley. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, so I just knew it would be hard. But Illinois State, I didn't have the best experience on that track team. You know, like it just was not. It. I loved my coach. I really did. He was the best thing. So when he was gone, there was no point in being there. But Illinois State University as a university, oh my gosh, amazing school. Amazing resources, amazing classes, amazing professors, like great. But the team itself, I was miserable and I was so unhappy. And when I came here, 
I was like, oh, so this is how it's supposed to feel. I'm actually <laughs> supposed to enjoy doing my sport, you know, and be happy while doing it. So it was good for me in all areas, I would say. So how has NIL helped you grow as an athlete, right? Like, because you obviously started uh, college sports before NIL was there. So kind of tell me, you know, how your perspective was when it first came into place and then how it's helped you grow since then. Um, well, my perspective was when it first came, I was, you know, like, oh, this is cool. Like, collegiate athletes get to make money, but it's mm-hmm. not just any collegiate athlete. You have to be, like, kind of more of a top dog collegiate mm-hmm. athlete. You have to be more well-known because there's a lot of collegiate athletes out there and a lot of them that I still don't think are recognized enough and need to be. But if you don't put yourself out there and if you don't do everything you can to get that recognition for any way, shape, or form, it's going to be hard to get all those NIL deals. And I know, like, also, it depends on your school because some schools get a lot of NIL money. And some schools are, you know, very passionate about NIL. And that's literally a recruiting thing now. Like, people will be like, if you come here, we'll give you, like, aside from your scholarship, we can get Mm -hmm. you this NIL. So, like, NIL has literally become this recruiting, you know, thing as well. So that's interesting to see because it was not that when it first started and nobody, So talk to me. Talk to me about, I apologize, good job. I just wanted to add something about what you said. Talk to me about the recruiting aspect of it, right? Because I know that obviously there's no nationwide legislation for it as of right now. Um, And there are obviously a lot of bills and a lot of talks and how they want to structure it. But one thing that uh, that I saw was recently put in place by the NCAA was uh, you can't induce somebody to come to your school based off the NIO money that you're going to get, right? They're cracking down on a lot, of, a lot of these collectives, right? And like you were saying earlier, some schools have a lot of money for NIO. I feel like collectives play a big part in that. So kind of just talk about the recruiting aspects in Oklahoma, because I know it's different state by state as of right now. I No one really knew anything about it. You know, mm-hmm. like it was still growing as we were growing with it. And so I don't know how it is now. Like, I couldn't tell you. I know there's a couple of tennis girls that just recently transferred here for Mm -hmm. NIL aspects, like Mm -hmm. literally. But I know my school has amazing resources when it comes to NIL. Like, we have, like, a whole NIL team, you know, people who are always speaking. I get reached out to by, you know, people who work in the NIL department, and they'll all be like, hey, can you talk to this girl? Like, she wants to get started. She wants to grow her media. Or, like, hey, can you talk to this guy? You know, like, they kind of – utilizing me as a resource but which i'm glad because you know that's what i want to do i want to be able to help people and give people those tips that i took and i had to figure out for myself so there's that but yeah i don't even know what it's like honestly at oklahoma state i'm pretty sure football gets some big ones because that's majority where you see like the car deals Mm -hmm. with football and stuff like that so hey tell them to give you a car Man, I've been trying, (laughs) but they don't really care for track and field athletes. Like they will pick football, basketball, any day. Over you, you had the the most deals of any athlete at the school, though, correct? Yeah, it doesn't really matter. It's still sport dependent sometimes. Gotcha, gotcha. It literally doesn't matter about the monetization. It doesn't matter about you know the deals. Sometimes it comes down to gender and sport. Mm -hmm. And most majority is going to be men and sport track and field isn't even going to be on anybody's radar. So being a woman in college sports in general, I know that uh, you all don't get enough attention that you all should. And just like how you said now, it also comes down to NIL as well. So how can the NIL landscape 
uh, improve to where women have a better chance of getting some of those larger opportunities? Like how, just from your perspective. I think it's just be fair. Like I think at the end of the day, if you go down to numbers, we will never be as fast as some men, you know, as Mm -hmm. like the top athletic men, like our bodies are built very different. So if you're going to go based off of performance stuff, like that's never going to be fair. So it's like, there's going to be elite women in the women's sport category and elite Mm -hmm. men in the men's sports category. And don't sit there and try and compare us Mm -hmm. because men and women, we're not the same gender. We're not built the same, you know? So it's like, you got to pick your top dogs. You got to pick, you know, those people, but also like, Learn to expand, not necessarily with just, you can necessarily say, top dogs. Like, learn to work more with, like, people who are growing. Mm -hmm. That's always good. Like, people love an underdog story. And I think that that's really important. It's like, you shouldn't just work with top dog males. You should work with, you know, people who you think are on the rise. And that goes for men and women, especially more women. Like, I just think that we are so powerful and how I just look at it is in reality, the reason you're here is because of a woman. So the least mm-hmm. you can do is give back. You know? <laughs> so how can they start giving back to you all then? I just think it's, you start doing more deals with women, like, and not necessarily like the best basketball player in the NCAA or not, you know, the fastest track runner or the fastest, or, you know, the best tennis player, like, Learn to work even with people more under. Like for me, mm-hmm. I was never one of the best in the NCAA. And I know that and I'm fine with that because I did my part. I enjoyed it. I had fun with it and all that stuff. But it's like there are so many people out there that are so passionate about NIL and so passionate about wanting to grow. And if those opportunities aren't even giving to them and they're sitting here or they're working their butt off to try, it's kind of defeating. And I've had this conversation with many athletes before. Uh, and this is kind of how I view this is how this is a idea that I've had that I feel like can give more opportunities to uh, the athletes who obviously don't get as many opportunities as they're supposed to. Right. Let's just say hypothetically. Right. There's a hundred million dollars that's put into an IL in a year's time frame across because at any given time, there's just under uh, 500,000 college athletes in, in uh, D1 through D3 through NCAA. So let's just say hypothetically there's $100 million. I've always said, okay, as of right now, of that $100 million, 99, 90 to 95% of it is going to the top sports, you know, the big people, so on and so forth. But I said, if you were just to take, let's just say you take 60% and still give it to the top dogs, right? Or 50% and give it to the top dogs at the top schools. But then with that other 50% that essentially isn't going to them, you make sure a certain percentage, like 30 percent is at least 30 percent has to go to women athletes right and then say another 10 percent has to go to or 20 percent has to go through you know the d2 and d3 schools or you know some of the schools that don't get as much recognition because for one just like how you were saying earlier i can't remember if it was when we were talking off camera i mean off offline or not but people can still grow their brand right even people who are in these smaller schools have a good reach and a good audience or can still build to that point, right? So giving them the opportunity to grow, you can essentially still reach markets that you possibly didn't think you could have re- uh, reached in the first place. So that's just, you know, I'm not in Congress, unfortunately, so, but I feel like it, it makes it a bit more fair so that everyone has the opportunity to get a piece of the pie, yeah, right? Definitely smart. But then this is 
also where I come into place as in until that happens, I feel like every athlete should be starting their own business and their own brand in some kind of way. Right. So that leads me to the question. Do you have a business of your own? I do not. That's not something I have even really, I would say started, but I've thought of things like I could probably, you know, do like some t-shirts or even just if it's like a little group of helping people out when it comes to NIL. But I think I'm going to go more towards being a coach. Mm -hmm. I would love, I mean, love more than anything because I'm working on getting my personal training certificate. Um, so being in Come to Georgia. You don't need one. <laughs> no, for real. You don't need one in Georgia. Really? I'm very serious. That's Obviously, if you have it, it gives you a couple extra benefits and things like that, but you don't actually need one to be a personal trainer. I would love to help someone out in the track world and, you know, pretty much be like, hey, like, this is my age. This is what times I run now. These are my goals. I want to go this level for college. This is what I want to uh -huh. do. And just play a really big part in helping that person get there. Like, there is nothing more fulfilling than running, you know, a race crossing the line and looking up the clock and seeing that you PR'd. Uh -huh. And so just to know, like, that, that hard work you put in, like, that, you know, you've got all that help and guidance from somebody else. Like, I would love to build a business more so of, like, kind of being a coach or doing, like, a trap club or just – Something where I can help somebody just have that feeling and just be proud of themselves and where they're going. So I know you said earlier that your eligibility is now up. Mm -hmm. Since your eligibility is up, is this is the strength and conditioning and personal training? Is that your main focus? Um, I got a lot. There's a lot. Um, I'm moving into my first house, so. Congratulations. Like, as a, thank you. That's uh, kind of been like my current main focus. It's like I just want to get, you know, almost in and get settled. And then um, from there, I do have credits still to finish up, which sucks from that's what also sucked about transferring is I lost a lot. So I got to finish up my credits. But even during that process, I'm going to be doing an internship. Um, I'm going to be working towards getting, you know, my certified personal trainer. And then I'm also in the works of there's a girl at Stillwater High School that I'm going to be coaching. So mm -hmm. her and I already spoke, nice. you know, so just starting off small. And if it works with one person, it can probably work with multiple. Gotcha. So how are you still monetizing yourself on social media since you technically don't have NIA eligibility anymore and obviously collegiate eligibility? Yeah, well, technically, it's still NIL because I am in school till December. So, like, it, it will be NIL-based until December. Mm, but after that, okay. it's just strictly social media. And you have a lot of those people that do that. And I would say it kind of opens it up more. Like, for example, say White Claw wanted to do a deal with me. I can't do that for NIL deal. You can't sponsor alcohol being college. But if I'm not mm -hmm. a collegiate athlete and I'm not college anymore or not in collegiate sports, I guess I would say, Mm -hmm. I can do stuff like that. You know, like I can work with alcohol companies. I can work with things that maybe you couldn't do where, you know, I could go do a workout somewhere. When you're doing a deal when it comes to your school, you have to go through all these processes. You have to get where you, you know, film. You can't wear in school logos. Like it's just an exhausting process. So when you don't have any of that, it kind of makes it easier. But on the other hand, like, Companies as well, like sometimes look 
specifically for current collegiate athletes. Mm-hmm. So it does make it a little bit harder. So it's kind of just like, you know, trying to juggle, trying to still, I guess, finish out NIL. So that's why I'm trying to also build like my stuff around fitness because if I still keep track incorporated, if I still keep fitness incorporated, like it's still going to be easy to get some of those same deals. Because mm-hmm. I'm an athlete, but I'm just, I'm not in uniform. And I imagine it's easier as far as, because uh, obviously you have to shift your brand ever so slightly because you're not a collegiate athlete anymore. But I feel like staying within that same realm makes it a bit easier because you're not having to rebuild a brand from scratch. You're just kind of taking something and evolving it a little bit. So, whew, I don't know why I'm out of breath. Um, so when it comes down to... Uh, your agency, right? You said a few times that you have an agency that helps. Does your, will you still have that same agency? Or are you allowed to keep them after, you know, your NIL eligibility is up? Like, are they t- that type of agency? Oh yeah. They literally, that agency is the best thing I would say happened to me. Like it's great. And it's not even just the fact that it's an agency, but I've made like family for life out of them mm-hmm. and the people that you work with and I think that's my favorite thing about working with Raymond representation is I care about you as a person sometimes these agents they just want to get you deals they don't really communicate with you they don't care about how's your mind you know how's your mental how's school been how's your sport going they don't care about your struggles but they don't really look at you as athletes they look at you as people mm-hmm. that just have good athletic ability I would say gotcha. and they literally treat you all like family and they're so supportive of everything you do. And if you're, you know, they're the type of people that's like, when I go to Orlando for WWE, they, mm-hmm. you know, they're in Orlando. Okay. Let's meet up and get lunch, you know, or if we all go do a trip to, together, cause I've done trips with some people in my agency before. Like when I worked with Tyreek Hill, we all went to Miami for um, that soul runner pop-up store. And so I got to be there, but like, so was my agent. And that was really cool just to spend that time. And it's like, the end of the day, he's my agent, and everyone else in that agency technically all are my agents, but I don't just look at them as my agents. I look at them as people I care about. I look at them as family. I look at people I would do anything for, and that's really big. But, yeah, I plan on staying with them for life, <laughs> as long so, as I'm doing social media. And even when I'm not, they'll still be a part of my life for life. I like that. So how have all your NIO deals come from the agency, and then how – um, how did you even first come into contact with the agency to begin with, right? Let's just say there's a college athlete out there who, because, you know, there's many ways to get NIL deals. I've heard people doing, uh, they reach out personally to companies. I've heard people use the NIL marketplaces. I've heard people have, you know, agents, right? So, like I said, has all your deals come from the agency and how did you even find out about them to begin with? And how can somebody else who's looking at this kind of follow in the same footsteps that you were able to follow in? Um, not my super small ones, like my first ones when I didn't have an agency, obviously those didn't come from the agency, but every deal that I've done since I've been with them has been from the agency. And it's really a blessing because, you know, that's pretty much what they do. They are constantly networking and reaching out and, you know, like I, for example, like how it kind of works within the agency is I went through like this skin nightmare for me and I lost a lot of confidence in myself and so I wanted to do a deal with a med spa and mm-hmm. I was telling you know my agency about it and I was talking to 
um, her name's Midgie. I was talking to her about it, and I was telling her, I was like, you know, I would like to do a deal with Med Spa, like something just to help make my skin better and, you know, help me feel more confident. And I was like, I want to do it also brand so I can, like, you know, build confidence and help things that aren't more so just triggered maybe towards guys but girls as well and, like, different things because I feel like a lot of girls have self-confidence issues, and I know a lot of girls struggle with their skin, and so mm-hmm. this will be, you know, a fun one to do. And so she reached out, and she was like, these are the companies that want to work with you, and then, boom, we came up with them and worked it all out. So that's really how it works. It's like you kind of give them your interest, or they know what your interest is. It'll be like, hey, this company wants to do a deal with you. Do you want to do it? And mm-hmm. then you put them together, but they're the ones who are doing the main work. You know, they're always looking for you. They're reaching out to you and getting your name. It's all that, but another social media influencer, someone who had already been in the agency was like, hey, like you're on the rise. I think you'd be really good. And then he randomly one day put me and uh, Raymond uh, on a FaceTime call. And I was like, dang, you're just going to throw me on the spot like that? (laughs) That's how I met him. But then, you know, he had my number. Obviously, we had a little bit of talking, but he was like, I think, you know, you should um, do it. I think that you should get into this stuff like you can really do this just because that's what he was doing and he saw it worked for him and he obviously knew about NIL he wasn't an athlete though he just literally is just an influencer so he definitely put me on and he connected us and I will forever thank him for that just because I don't know if I would have ever gotten contact with Raymond Rep if not so what advice could you give to someone who wants to have an agent for themselves but they don't know where to look right I would say it's kind of hard because I think sometimes people are like, oh, like, I'm just so thankful to have an agency that's putting me deals. But it's like, mm-hmm. you have to, I think, dive deeper into that. It's more so about, like, you don't want to be in an agency where they treat you wrong or, like, they make you feel miserable. They don't really care about you as a person. Like, I would say look deeper into more. I would say look more for building relationships because it's also more enjoyable when you get those deals. It's mm-hmm. also, just it's better to build relationships than just, you know, just being like, Oh yeah, I got an agency. They're getting me deals like money, money, money. Like I would, I'm never money hungry. Like I'm more relationship based. And I think obviously I can't tell people how to be, but that's how I would prefer. <laughs> but that's like what I suggest for people to do when trying to find an agency, because it's like, it's more fun building relationships and making like long lasting mm-hmm. things, because I feel like more can come out of that than just something small and temporary. I like that. I like that. So I wanted to circle around to the NIO summit, right? We spoke about that uh, offline a bit, but uh, for one, I guess the main question is how were you able to get that speaking opportunity and how was that for you? It was so much fun. I'm actually petrified of public speaking and I don't know (laughs) what happened, but like I was so comfortable. I think it was the fact I was sitting down. Like I know that might sound weird, but like just knowing that I wasn't standing It literally, like, it was so comforting. Just knowing that I was sitting down and just, it was very petrifying, like I was saying. I was like, oh my gosh, public speaking. But when I was able to get through introducing myself and I didn't stutter and I didn't, you know, like where your voice kind of goes out and you're like, mm-hmm. and you got to take like a big swallow, <laughs> like, I didn't have that. And that's when I was like, oh, I got this. But, um, my agent actually texted me and he was like, would you be interested in speaking at the summit? And I was like, heck yeah, I would. So I'll take any opportunity. Like I, one thing too, that I've told like, you know, the people who work for NIL OSU, I was like, if y'all have like little conversations, because when all the new athletes come in, sometimes they'll 
have like meetings that you have to go to or they suggest that you go to. Mm -hmm. And they'll have one based off of like NIL. And I was like, I will come speak at that if you need me to. I will come answer questions. I will come work directly with athletes. Like I'll directly have conversations. Um, so I'll really take any opportunity I can. But I also think, because I was nominated for Innovator of the Year, I think that helped because it's Did like, you win? No. I was sure. up against Flage. So respectfully, I knew she was going to win. But yeah. I I was just honored to be nominated. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I knew she was going to win. And but like I said, just being nominated, because I remember when I had gone the previous year, the very first year, I had looked at our AD and the other people that we came with from OSU, and I was like, I'm going to get nominated for an award next year. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to work hard, and I did it. So it was really cool, because I pretty much manifested it, and I spoke it, and I worked hard. And like I said, it's okay I didn't win. It does make me a little bit sad, just, but I was like, look who I'm up against. I'm like, this girl has done more than so many of us. I mean, she rapped, exactly. she's a community, she just won a basketball championship, like mm -hmm. big time player. Just, was like, she was, got it. it. She had the perfect timing on a lot of things going oh, yeah. on. Oh so yeah, I was like, it she was... got it. I was like, I'll stand up and give you a round of applause because you deserve every bit of it. <laughs> I love to hear it. I love to hear it. So, have you done any other speaking engagements besides the NL at the NIL summit? No, that was my first one ever, actually. Nice. See, look, you didn't even have stage fright. I guess the key is make sure there's a chair on the stage. I don't know how I'll do from standing <laughs> up. Like I remember watching the people introduce uh like the awards and I was sitting next to my friend Hannah and her and I was looking at each other and I was like I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm like, I'm going to be like, uh, if I get up there and win this award and have to get a speech. So I was like, oh gosh, I'm going to be nervous. But it all worked out. So. Everything happens for a reason. So uh, I want to kind of get into creating content, right? Because I've looked at your Instagram and I've looked at your TikTok. Obviously on TikTok in general, you have to post more. It's just the type of platform that it is. And on Instagram, you don't have that many posts per se, right? So how is the content creation for you? Um, and like, how's that journey been through NIL, right? Because we were speaking about it earlier, right? Like you have to create content for the brand. They have to approve it and things like that. So kind of explain the, the content uh, side of things. Yeah, I mean, you just have to make sure. I mean, there's even little things too that you wouldn't think. Like, for example, if I was to make a video right here, they would have to blur all these out because it's like you have a Big 12 logo and then you have the Arkansas logo, then you have the Texas logo, and then you have the NCAA logo. So it's like gotcha. those logos can't be into it because that could be a thing where it's like, well, you used a logo, like our logo in a paid video. So now you have to pay mm -hmm. So you have to be super careful of logos, super careful of what you're wearing, super careful of what you say how you do, and then you can literally get a brief. You could follow the brief word for word, and they could still send it back and want you to remake the whole thing because maybe they forgot stuff. So it's kind of an all over the place thing. But yeah, you have to be consistent. My cats are so bad. You have the to cats, be. That's what they're supposed to be. <laughs> the it's mischievous. My little, it's my short fat one. These just, <laughs> yeah, I love him, but gosh. But you have to be consistent. Like for me, I've lost a lot of followers on TikTok lately, and that's just because I haven't really been posting content. And also, you can get shadow banned, where like TikTok blocks get your getting views. I don't know what it is, but everyone's like, "Oh, Tori shadow banned." I'm just like, I don't know. I was talking to one of my other friends 
um, Clifford, and he was saying that, like, he thinks, like, it's kind of like a test. Like, TikTok sometimes might test you to see if, like, you're actually serious about, mm-hmm. you know, making videos and see if, like, when they cut your views, does that mean you stop or you get passionate? Um, so I'm trying to get back on that train, but it's a little bit difficult just trying to figure out, okay, well, I'm not posting track videos anymore. I'm not mm-hmm. you know, posting videos in my uniform. So like, how can I still keep my audience engaged? So there's just more so like the content when it comes directly to me, but when it comes to companies, it's different. Like I said, you have to go through all those. You have to do all the approvals, sometimes multiple takes of a video. Mm-hmm. And then my TikTok, it's just easier to make a quick little video, 10 second video, post it, do a little caption, go about your day. Instagram. I, used to have a lot of pictures on Instagram. Like when I say a lot, I mean a lot. But then when I started to get more into the NIL world, I've kind of cut that down. Like the bigger I got, I kind of separated myself from things. So like I had pictures with my family up there. I didn't Mm -hmm. want people following my mom on Instagram or my grandma and commenting on their stuff and Mm -hmm. being weird and because trying to figure out where we live. So it's like I had to take a lot of those pictures down. Or it's like things that weren't a part of my life or a picture I was like, I don't really need to have this up because I don't know if a company's going to look at it and be like, oh, yeah, I want to work with this girl. Or, like, you know, she's not doing much social media influencing. Like, she's just doing this. Like, I wanted to make myself look like, oh, yeah, I want to work with this girl. So I mm-hmm. cleared a lot of pictures on my Instagram. And I made it more so where it's like you could kind of figure out what my personality was, what I was passionate about. Because for me, I post my body a lot. And I know that. But I post it more so in the sense that I'm confident and I work hard for it. And I think that other women should be confident in their bodies. And also, too, a big goal of mine is I've always wanted to walk in Miami swimming. I would love to model in bikinis and walk in a show like that. So it's like you have to put a presence for yourself as well in those areas mm-hmm. to reach other goals. But it's all about – my page is about working hard and body positivity and building confidence and staying true to you and your own brand because – one of the best advice I can give to any athlete is do not build your brand off of your sport, build it off of a person. Cause like your name is going to go so much further than you being an athlete. Cause you will never be an athlete for the rest of your life, but you will always be your name. So I will exactly. never be that girl who runs track at Oklahoma state for the rest of my life, but I will always be Tori Ortiz. So build your brand off of your name because when you're done, and if you built it off of your name, you're still going to get deals. People are still going to know you for being you. So people still know me for being Tori. But mm-hmm. that was just a part of my life. It didn't make me who I am. It doesn't. I'm not just an athlete. I am so much more than just that. And I think that that's really important for everybody to know when they're building their brand. I like that. And I feel I feel like uh, and, and I tell people all the time essentially the same thing, right? You don't want to build it off of what you're currently doing, right? Because you're going to eventually grow out of that. So, and I feel like a perfect example of somebody building off of their name and their company profiting severely off of that is Elon Musk, all right? Tesla would not be as big as it is, still probably be, still probably be big, but not as big if it weren't for the brand of Elon Musk and him as an individual, right? He's extremely weird. Like, I don't know if you've heard this man speak. Uh, the Twitter logo he just dropped? Yeah, that's a whole nother. <laughs> I don't know what the X stands for. Uh, I feel like he's going to change the name like Eli, uh, like uh, uh, Zuckerberg did. But but exactly, like, people pay attention to what he does and says. So it's like, 
him himself markets everything else, right? Like he is the brand. So whatever he's attached to, people just want to be around it. And it's the same thing that athletes can do, right? Like mm-hmm. obviously you, you know, you're very invested, like currently both obviously in school. When I say you, I mean the audience, um, but like you as an athlete, you're very invested in your sport. You're very invested in school, right? So that probably, that's probably what takes up most of your time. So yes, that might be where most of your content is based around, but there's still a way to be you within that content, right? So that's what you really have to focus on. The biggest thing that I've heard from many athletes that I've talked to in NIL is the biggest piece of advice they always give is just be you, right? Be original. Don't try to be more than what you are because you see it online or don't try to, you know, uh, do the most, quote unquote, right? Because people see through that, right? They see through the facade. They see when you're trying to sell them or they see when, you know, like they... It's not a fake it till you make it world anymore, right? It's being as authentic as you can be because it doesn't matter. There's always going to be people who love you and people who hate you. So why not have people love and or hate you for you rather than the person you try to put on? So I wanted to um, I wanted to wrap up and kind of ask you what piece of advice, like if there is one thing besides obviously what I just said as far as being yourself, uh, but if there's one thing that you want the audience to kind of take away from this, right? In regards to NIL, in regards to building their own brand, what would you tell them? I feel like I just have to build up what you said because one, it was really good and two, that's how I feel, but stay true. Don't just be yourself, but stay true to yourself because it's really easy to get lost along the way. Like mm-hmm. If you start to grow, don't get lost in the fame. If you know aren't getting where you are, don't sit there and sink into that and think, dang, like I'm never going to, be big because it's not working out. Everything takes time. Be patient with every process. Be grateful for every process. And it's going to be a journey of highs and lows. But as long as you stay true to yourself, I think you're always going to be okay. Because you're going to have a lot of hate that comes your way. You know, people are never always going to support you. People are never always going to agree. People are always going to pray in your downfall. As long as you stay true to you, keep your head above the water, you're going to be fine no matter what you do. And what is, what is a, so we always say be true to yourself, you know, stay original or whatever, but what are some ways that have worked for you in doing so, especially as your brand has grown and as people have obviously been able to recognize who you are more? Um, I know in my heart that I'm not a cocky person. I know in my heart I'm not conceited. I know I'm not stuck up. I know I never walk around like, oh yeah, I'm Tori Ortiz. Like for example, if someone comes up to me, They'll be like, oh my gosh, you're that girl from TikTok. I'll be like, hi. You know, I'll stick my hand out and they'll be like, what's your name? And I'll ask them their name. I'll ask them what they do, what sport they play, where they go to school, and how's their day? Like, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. But I have normal conversations because you're just a person. I'm a person. You're a person. I'm going to treat exactly. you like a person. And I hope you do the same for me. You know, maybe you're just a fan of me and maybe I don't necessarily know you, but I'm going to sit the time, you know, sit there and take the time to get to know you. And how I've always been. It's just like, I know in my heart, I'm not that person, but people will see my numbers or people will think I have money and be like, oh yeah, she's this. Oh yeah, she's that. Don't listen to those people because you know who you are better than anybody else. I like it. I like it. Before we close out, I, I want I meant to say this earlier just to kind of shine a, a, a good light on you. Like I said earlier, uh, she, Tori has a combined almost 800,000 followers on TikTok and Instagram. 
but she's been able to accrue many deals for, from WWE, Meta, Sunny Clothing, Shop Gold, Pure Skin, Gatorade, and more that I have written down and don't have written down, right? So the information that she's telling you all is very important, right? She's saying it from a place of understanding because she's been through it, right? So if you have questions, right? She says she's a very, you know, cool individual. If it's up to her, you know, DM her, right? Let them know where they can follow you at, where they can find you in case they want to have, in case they have questions or maybe want to reach out to you. Yeah. So my, I'm pretty much available on all apps. Like I do Twitter as well. I'll respond to DMs on Twitter. I'll respond to DMs. So my Twitter is T Ortiz with two Z's 43. My Snapchat is Tori Ortiz 43. My TikTok is T Ortiz 43. And then my Instagram is T Ortiz.29. I absolutely love helping people succeed and grow as a person. So please reach out with any questions and I will always be here for you. Thank you so much for joining the show, Tori. And thank you all for listening. So if you haven't already, go ahead and make sure that you follow her on all of the platforms, right? We'll make sure that they are listed in the video as well. And uh, if you haven't already, go ahead and like the video, subscribe to the channel. and We will see you next week. Let's go. Mm -hmm.